Greetings. Welcome to another installment of Innovation Crush. And I'm being live. Jordan Brady, hello. How are hey, you? Thanks for having me, Chris. Um, I, I, I promised I would do the exact same greeting and opening, but it, it didn't happen. So anyway, you guys know this is Innovation Crush, a show that covers marketing and innovation and pe- people thinking about the world differently. Um, and we've had some pretty amazing guests, so we're going to keep that going. Uh, today's guest is Jordan Brady, as we already mentioned. Uh, say hello, Jordan. Hello. It's a, what, great to be here. You sound great. I, you know what? I, when I get in here and I'm looking at you, yeah, I I'm, get this mic and these headphones. I feel like, I feel like I'm, you know, I'm on the radio. I feel professional. This this is this is professional. It is amateur radio. Well, the Sideshow Network <laughs> has a variety of podcasts. Shout out to the Sideshow Network. Yeah, I love the Sideshow Network, and it's a professional setup. I mean, you come in here and you feel like, okay, there's a picture of Johnny Carson. There's yep. a picture of Bob Dylan. You're like, you know what? This is show business. They gotta get some black people on the wall. Well, they need more Duke brothers Ellington. on the wall. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, yes, it's like Sal's Pizza. Um, <laughs> but no, there's an Ella Fitzgerald. So, all right, that's, that counts. And Jimi Hendrix. Um, so that's three out of... 15. 28. Exactly. Right. <laughs> uh, so let's start with this. Give me the 101 on who Jordan Brady is. I'm horrible at introductions. So I'm always, I always like people to... To shout out their accolades on their own, so you know what I'm a I'm a, a director. I've made some films, made some documentaries, which is why I'm here. Uh, I make a living as a TV commercial director, which I do a podcast about. And I was a comedian for about 14, 15 years, and I've always loved stand up comedy. This was in my younger days, right? Uh, so I made a documentary called "I Am Comic" to answer the questions that people would always ask me on set: What was it like to be a comedian? <laughs> And that that did pretty well. And did they ever ask you to tell jokes again? Oh, it's the worst, man. It's the worst. <laughs> hey, tell me a joke. Well, I didn't really do jokes. But you were a comedian. Like, it, how did you not do jokes? It's the worst. Or, well, then tell me one of your routines. Really? We're standing here by the <laughs> by the tortilla chips, and I'm supposed to launch into a, 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 bit, a bit for you? No, thank you. Uh, You're like, so, where are you from, sir? And then you say, just, that's, that's what you can pretend to start. But it's it's impossible, right? So the I am comic did pretty well, especially among comedians who felt like one of their own told the story, right? Uh, so here it is, four years later, and I uh, did a somewhat of a sequel, a follow up called I Am Road Comic, and I think that relevant to your show, yes, I've taken an innovative marketing approach, right, to self distribute the film for now. I saw that, and then. Uh, the crushes, people are liking. It. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you know, I, I didn't get a chance to watch the full thing, but I did watch the trailer and like yeah, you've seen it all. Then, the, you don't uh, oh, then good. I saved five bucks <laughs> and um, ninety minutes. <laughs> <laughs> no, like I mean, it's a it's a a really good group of talent. I mean, like there are some heavy hitters. You know, how do you still maintain a lot of the relationships that you had in the comedy world? Like, how does that how did that work for you from a from a production standpoint? Well, in the first in the first movie, I am comic available on iTunes. I'm sure you can get it on Amazon for a dollar. No, no, right, no. A DVD. Don't undersell. You know, you're going to you're going to have just, at least 17 people listening to this. <laughs> 17 times five. What's 17 times five? Yeah. No. OK. My son Jake is here <laughs> at the table with us and he was uh, stumped with the math problem. But anything else? Well, he's also looking out the window. It. I just yeah. I caught him off guard. Uh, no, I am comic is the first one from sure. 2010. So I, right, right, 99 cents Amazon buy a DVD. That one, yes. Download it from iTunes or YouTube, whatever. Uh, I had relationships with the comedians that I've stayed friends with from that movie, right? And then a couple of relationships from the new movie I'm Road Comic. 
But a lot of them, honestly, Chris, were people that I met through I Am Comic. Right. Like Pete Holmes. Mm. Okay. Funny, one of the funniest guys out there. Uh, uh, you Made It Weird one of my favorite podcasts. You know, <laughs> he hosted the Pete Holmes show for a couple of years there. Yep. Well, Pete I met at a comedy show because I still go out. My son Jake and I go to comedy shows. Nice. And we'll be there, and afterwards I'll meet the comedians, and someone will say, oh, he did this movie I Am Comic. Oh, I loved I Am Comic. That's so cool. And after about you know a year or two of that, I was like, you know what? I'm meeting some of the new heavy hitters. Right. T.J. Miller, who's in uh, yeah. Transformers 4. Yep. I met him. At a show in a sex shop. I don't know if I want to hear the rest of the story. No. <laughs> <laughs> they do he does a he does a comedy show at the pleasure chest in Hollywood. Really? So you're telling jokes and there's, you know, leather underwear and dildos on the wall, but everybody's focused on the on the comedy it's show. Kind of like me at home. Hey, you know, for sharing, <laughs> sure. Bring it Telling out. Jokes and there's dildos on the wall. <laughs> uh that's awesome. So when I, you know, when I think of I Am Comic or I Am Road Comic, it is, uh, like you said, it's, it's one of their own telling the story, right? God willing, yes. Um, as, a, as a documentarian, when you find these niche topics, right, these micro topics, how does that translate to, like, a broader audience, right? Is it like a fly on the wall? Like, what's the experience when, you know, somebody who's not a comic says, I've seen the movie, it's awesome, you know, how do you, how do you tell that story to those people? Well, that's a, that's a great question. <laughs> and and it was the balance. So a, a documentary about comedy, first of all, better be funny. Because how could you do There's a couple that aren't. Right. And or it, or it doesn't have to be. Like, because, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, because almost is like, it's two different worlds, right? And like, I'm, I'm glad you used the word balance. And sometimes either you go, either you go funny or you don't go at all. Like, you know. Well, it, I think if you take comedy a little too seriously, it gets boring. I expect those right. people to be funny. Uh, there, there's a Robert Townsend made a movie about African American comedy. Yes, I'm blanking on the title. It's a great documentary. It leans more serious. I keep thinking Hollywood Shuffle, but that's not it. But but same director. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Uh, that movie gets serious, and at times I wish it was funnier. But that's just me. He's the director. He made that choice. Right. But it's inevitably funny because he has funny people. So how do you quell a funny person in an interview? You really don't. I chose to go the other way and tip the scale more towards the comedy. But there are moments of seriousness. Sure. So the balance is tr- for me is trying to find out how to make a movie that appeals to the comedy nerd, that comedians can get behind and go, yes, that's really it. Uh, Dana Gould is a comedian, writer mm-hmm. for The Simpsons, longtime friend who said, I can put your DVD in for my daughter's and say, that's, that's my life. And that was the biggest compliment. Wow, that's awesome. Jeff Foxworthy, you know, the, yes. he said, you nailed it. He came to a screening in Atlanta at a film festival, and he, at the Q&A, he goes, someone's told the story right. So the comedians validated sure. that I told the authentic story, but the fans of comedy go, so that's what it's like. You don't want to, ex- if, you, if you just made a movie that comedians liked, <laughs> you'd sell about 500 copies, and that's, right. that's it. And, right. You know, it's a bit like inside baseball is the term people use. Yeah. You don't want to be too inside baseball or too inside comedy or you well, alienate the audience. And I also think, I mean, I, I, I like the fact that sort of 
that story. It was, so a lot of times in, in marketing, because I you know I work in marketing and and so on and so forth. But um, we talk about how if I can just reach a hundred really excited Uber fans, then the domino effect will happen from there. And I think what you're you saying, believe that I, I 100% oh, good, good. And and it's the same thing with what you're saying. Like if if I can get the comedians on board with this, and they will talk about it, right? Or they will celebrate it. And and in addition to a few fringe laymen, right? Then the domino effect happens from there. Oh, I I believe in it. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you validated it because you're knowledgeable and educated in the matter. <laughs> and I'm just I'm not winging it or educated. I just I, that was a wild. It was it was a a hunch. Well, it's a good hunch. <laughs> yeah, the the through all the technology and working in advertising for fifteen years, going from thirty second spots to the dot com era to now mobile ads and Facebook and and oh, it's going to be a viral. Like I remember when a guy I got hired to make a viral, and the guy's like, "Yeah, we want this to go viral," and I said, "Well, you just gave it the kiss of death." Right, exactly. And and we're on set. This is probably like two thousand five. And USA Today, the headline was, you know, viral videos, something or other. And just the fact that USA Today had a headline about viral videos meant it jumped the shark. Right. It's over. Yeah. So uh, I don't well, know. Well, they still I'm... exist. It's just like it, it's it... – <laughs> but you can't make it. Like you can't make something. Like you can you can promote it, right, and you can, you can find some organic ways to give it some reach. But at the end of the day – are you telling a good story or not? Right. right. Jimmy Kimmel had a successful one that I I think even he was surprised at how viral, I'm using air quotes for the listeners, yes. that it went when he had the uh, a woman twerking mm-hmm. and she caught she fell on the coffee table and it caught on fire. She, right. He had a stunt woman do it. Yeah. He did it as a joke. I don't think even he expected it to go viral. <laughs> So. Well, that's the thing, but in, 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 even though he didn't expect it, he was just he, he wanted to do something that was purely funny and and uh, like a gag on the audience, which is the that's all I want to do. If you do something, you know, I've said this to young people, to friends on my podcast about filmmaking. If you follow your bliss, you'll have a better chance of success. Yeah. Unless your bliss is really twisted. <laughs> Don't look at me so concentrated. No, no, no. no. But <laughs> it's if, like, I'm not that twisted. But those to your to your point about the find those true evangelist fans, what I, what I was getting at with all the different changes in marketing and advertising, yeah. it comes down to word of mouth. It comes down to uh, if you're a comedian, can you put butts in seats? Right. Can you fill that theater, that comedy club? As a podcaster, can you get people, instead of a butt in a seat, it's a download onto your phone to listen to at the gym? Yep. If you're doing that, people will talk about it. And I think even less through a tweet, it's someone telling their friend, yo, did you see this movie? Yes. You have to get it. When it, become, when it is actually spoken. <clears throat> that's I what feel, I mean. I feel like that's, you know, that's, I had a conversation. With, I was at Comic-Con uh, a couple of weeks ago. And What'd you dress as? <laughs> a, a strange black man. Um, <laughs> just wore, I wore this almost the same outfit. Uh, no, but I just got in a conversation with the security guard while I'm waiting to go to Petco Park, and we're like talking about, oh, did you see this video? Did you see that video? And like those were the ones I remember, the ones that I got sent, and it was kind of cool or okay. It was like, all right, I, I probably won't recall those, right? Um, but also, I think that leads me to another point where we live in sort of this blip culture, right? And you know, is for you is four years a long time, 
right to, between the the first one and eternity, and, bro, eternity. <laughs> and it, and did that affect your approach to how you went about either the business or the actual content? I don't know how nerdy you want to get. I, hey, I, you know, <clears throat> I'll, I'll tell you this, and I, I hope I'm I here, hope, listeners. I hope you, I hope <laughs> you enjoy this. What happened in four years was the uh, the easing up on the interpretation of fair use of archival footage and found footage and other people's footage in a documentary. Oh, wow. Okay. So that in 2010, with stand-up clips in I Am Comic, I spent twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 in licensing clips and Tonight Show appearances in HBO. HBO was actually really cool and gave it to us for free. Right. I think Sarah Silverman's special that she didn't even own, they were pretty cool. Jim Gaffigan was cool, but a couple people wanted lots of money, right? even at the improv. <laughs> so that affected my decision not to even use stand-up comedy clips from other shows in I Am Road comic. It was cost prohibitive. Right. I'll never get... I'm pushing the line up before I start making a profit. And I'm a filmmaker by trade, not as a hobby. Right. So that was a huge effect in not using clips. And then I was reading about fair use, which, uh, do you know what it is? It's, you're you're allowed to use... tell the audience. Well, you're allowed to use (laughs) like a news clip, okay? So in I Am Road Comic, an event happened at the comedy club up in Washington State that I was performing at. Right. It happened two weeks before the club. Uh, The club had me up there, which is a whole nother fluke. Uh, They threw a, a heckler out and he landed on his head and he went into a coma. So it's it's a dangerous place. This happened. To in the, this is in the documentary. This is in the documentary. Oh. So I have you just the, sold about another five hundred <laughs> copies. I want to see that coma scene. Well, the end of the, let me just listeners. The Not end the of the story one. is he's out of the coma because I was having a hard time. Like, what if right. if the guy dies and this is a comedy documentary? Right. So he's okay. Uh, one of the bouncers did some time. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it, when I was up there, people were actually protesting. They have a candlelight vigil. For the guy in the coma, why, the night that I'm performing, I am Road Comic, $5, I am RoadComic.com. <laughs> so the use of that news footage right. would have been, well, it equaled the price of the attorney who, who watched and said, no, this is fair use. The use of this news clip right. is pertinent to your story. You don't overplay it. You show exactly what you need to move the story from point A to C. Right, the clip is B. Sure, and uh, I, I was almost very liberal with my use of clips. <laughs> it's all clips. <laughs> it's all clips. <laughs> yeah. It's really just a montage, people. But uh, ninety-minute montage. So that that was a huge influence. Also, the um, the way I shot it, I shot it all myself, and I edited myself and another guy, Andrew Fredato, great editor, who I met at a screening of I Am Comic. Oh, nice. It was cool, huh? He yeah. was a film school kid who graduated, and they, he works for me from time to time. So that was kind of a nice little wrap-up. Uh, but the main thing that I learned from 2010 I Am Comic to 2014 I Am Road Comic was I got to take a stab at self-distribution, at least in the beginning. Right. Because for filmmakers and people that just love films, which is almost everybody, mm-hmm. You make an independent film, and you go to film festivals, and you get buzz, and you get a review, and you have a lot of fun. It's an ego bath for the filmmaker. 
But from the business side, you're gaining awareness. You're gaining buzz. You're also, as a filmmaker, a storyteller, you're going, okay, my shit works. Right. Because otherwise, you're in this editing room going, is this funny? Does you're this also work? Like, I'm spending a lot of money. I'm spending a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. So then you do the festivals, and you try to sell the film. Well, even if someone on the spot, like Merrimax or you know, now the Weinstein Company, goes, I want that film, it's going to take several weeks or months to negotiate it yep. and then get a release plan. It could be another year or two. So I made the, the decision, I'm going to sell it myself while I'm negotiating deals, while I'm shopping it right. on the, in the marketplace, because that's wasted time and wasted awareness. But did you feel, uh, I think it's two-sided though, right? Like it, on one side, it probably increases value and demand, you know, for the content. Like, oh, it is kind of catching on, We, you know, Weinstein Company, we do want to own this. Right. Um, but at the same time, oh, everyone's seen it, do we still want it? Is it spoiled goods? Right. That's a, that's a great point, Chris, that I, I wondered, okay? But the numbers for the filmmaker at five bucks a pop are significant. Right. The numbers for Showtime, Netflix, HBO, even the mom and pop theater chain that was showing independent documentary, nothing. Right. Nothing. Like they need they need tens of thousands. I'm hovering right in the thousands. So your your overhead is <laughs> it's a lot well, it's a lot different. You know, we, people know this because it's in the news, and we live in a, an age where uh, the box office is part of the Sunday night news. Let's look at the top five films this weekend. Oh, Lucy crushed, right? Whatever innovation. Uh, yeah, so that's part <laughs> of it. That's part of it. Well. I lost my. I lost. My, That's fine. No, I, I lost my, no. It was just kind of like the the idea of like where the value is, right, and the overhead and the expenditure versus. Oh yeah. Oh, so the overhead. Right. Right. So people know that you have to you have to make copies of the movie. Now they're digital, but they still it's a hard drive that they ship somewhere. Or you yep. unlock a download. Uh, but advertising, advertising a movie as a filmmaker, you know, you read these stories where the filmmaker makes nothing because they spent it all on advertising, mm-hmm. even though it was a, a killer box office take. The filmmaker means this. So that, I have I've spent zero other than a couple of Facebook boosts. Right. I've spent which are cheap. Which are cheap. I've spent you know a couple hundred bucks to advertise I am Road Comic. Right. And the innovation has been podcasts like yourself. Now, when you what did you self finance the the film? I or, did. Yes. Okay. Um, and did you actually? Because I, I always people think of marketing as an afterthought right it's like i'm going to make the thing i'm going to make the app i'm going to make the you know build a business and when they're shopping for their funds or support or whatever it is the marketing is all is kind of like the afterthought um huge mistake did you consider that as you were go- like did you say hey i'm going to spend uh, whatever a hundred thousand dollars and i'm going to set aside 20 for promotion or did you go into it knowing you were going to do a little bit more guerrilla you know, uh, social type of push around it? Uh, I did not know for sure, but I was leaning social guerrilla marketing. Mm-hmm. I was uh, I was leaning self-distribution from the start, but I had the relationships because I have a distributor, yeah. Monterey Media, who's been in the business for a long time. They picked up I Am Comic and got it on Showtime and Netflix and everywhere. Uh, 
New Wave Entertainment, who's like a yep. uh, a big comedy producer. Love talking to them. There's Hulu. There's all these other places where I knew I could talk to either the exhibitor directly, right, or I could talk to a sales agent. Circus Road Film, Glenn Reynolds, yeah. great sales agent, picks up independent films and sell them. I could go that route. Yep. So yes, I had a marketing plan. Yes, I saved money away. I tell young filmmakers or independent filmmakers have a festival budget. Yeah. Set aside five thousand dollars to fly to the festival and submit your film. If you get, you know, if you get in, you got to go there. Yeah. Got to get a hotel. To, all the all the business stuff that that you need to do after you make the thing is like that's that's sort of you know that's yeah, absolutely great advice. I, I follow. I subscribe to that. Making the film, you know, when people some people don't even think about editing. They go, <laughs> we got it in the can. It's going to cost two hundred thousand to shoot. Well, how are you going to edit? How are you going to score? How are you going to oh, mix? Oh yeah. So, but 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 most people, I think, take that the post production into account. But the marketing, right, is so crucial because you can make a great thing, but if nobody knows about it, it's a great thing in your garage. Is the is the road still important in comedy? I don't I don't think it is. I think it is. I think it is for developing your act. It's crucial because it's stage time outside of Los Angeles, Chicago, New York. Right. right, San Francisco. But uh, a thesis that I had going in that I believe to be true, it's, again, the word balance comes to mind. There are so many more outlets to be a comedian in 2014. You know, I did it in the 80s. Right. Straight out of, dropped out of school, traveled the road. The road was the only way. Yes. The road is still the way. To go out, I'd ask you some more eighty stories if, yeah. if Jake wasn't here. <laughs> you can ask all. <laughs> Cocaine on strippers' butts, done it. Eighties, yes. All right, yeah. but but um, now I think with YouTube, right? You can have a YouTube channel. You can have a podcast, which is a much more free flowing experience. Comedic, if you're a co- comedic podcaster, what a great outlet right. that that is. The road is crucial for again that word of mouth for like going out in the trenches. But you don't have to suffer and and solely do the road to be a comedian anymore. Well, that was the, like I, I did stand up for about six or seven years, um, and that was the one hindrance for me to continue because I was like, I don't want like I don't want to go on the road. <laughs> you it's know? a grueling life. Yes, exactly. And only for that reason, like I enjoyed the connection and you know all that stuff. But I'm like, I, that's that's a hard living. You know, um, and then, but I also look at like I, there was a note I wrote down earlier where I go, yes, now there's YouTube and there's all these other outlets, but it's also there's a lot more people, right? Because it, because it's this is accessible to be able to have conversations and record them, right? Even though we're in this beautiful, luxurious studio, this is nice. This is such a <laughs> but or like anybody can turn on their webcam and and be funny. But I think stand up is definitely one of those things of. Be like the energy of a room that you can't beat, but it's unchallenged, right? And and you know, I think I use the word comedian versus the specific of stand-up comedian, right? Because I'm I'm a biased purist that I love stand-up comedy, as am I, and I don't watch a lot of stand-up comedy on the web. I watch a little bit on TV, but rarely. Sklar Brothers have a great special on Netflix. I uh, I produced and directed Maria Bamford's stand-up special oh, wow. for okay. TV. It was in her house. Yeah. It's on Netflix now, and, and that was great to work with her. And I mean, that's all her. It's the right. comedian. It's not really 
a director's medium. You point the camera and let the comedian be funny and don't fuck it up. Exactly. Uh, but I, I have a vision for this. Yeah, the, the vision is you tell your jokes and I'll film it. But I love, there's nothing, Chris, like being there live in a room. Yeah. Like, I mean, think of a great music concert. You know, there's some music posters on the wall here at the Sideshow Network. Oh, you know, you talk to an old timer going, I was at Monterey Bay when Jimi Hendrix was barely, mm-hmm. you know. And they remember that live event, just like I remember being at the Meltdown Theater right. when the Sklar Brothers came in and did. In fact, my son Jake was with me. We saw the Sklar Brothers do their Conan set the night before they did Conan. And I remember nice. that, like, oh, they were working on it. There was an energy. It'll never be, it'll be, it'll be replicated. Yeah. It'll never be duplicated. No, it'll be, it's one thing to, to watch funny, and then there's nothing to experience funny. Like right. It's just, you know, it's like the same thing as like laughing at, laughing at a moment you had with a friend versus recalling a scene from a movie. You know, there's a, just a different energy to it. I think church is the same way, by the way. Church is chicken? No. Well, <laughs> you know that church, I'm going to, a dirty little secret, because I did advertising for, for both churches and Popeyes. <laughs> what? I did their commercials for a long time. They're, they're owned by the same this company. Is, this is all your fault. Are they really? They're owned, and they put them across the street from each other. And you talk to people like, I love churches. No, Popeye's is better. You know what? They don't care which one you buy. <laughs> Cat's out of the That's bag. amazing story. I, I, that wasn't some sort of confidentiality agreement you just broke? It's been 10 years. I can say whatever the fuck I want. I think they have one super kitchen under the intersection, underground. <laughs> all right, And exactly. they feed the chicken to both stores. <laughs> exactly. Oh, uh, that's uh, Popeye didn't even eat chicken. Popeye eats spinach. Well, I was like, I'm like, what? How did they come up with that name? <laughs> it's like, uh, it's just be random. Um, I don't even know where we were. That's a, that, that well, just my... church going to. I'm Jewish. Oh, right. I'm going Jewish, so I don't go to church. Yes, I don't go to temple. I'm the worst kind of Jew. I live in an Orthodox Jewish neighborhood. Do you really? Yes. How's that? Oh yeah, you just it's interesting. Miracle Mile. Hey, hey, yeah, that's my. Oh, sorry. Uh, no, <laughs> I used to live there because there were there would be these Orthodox Jews on uh, Saturday the Sabbath for the Jewish people, and they're walking up north to a temple. There's more temples per capita in that part of Los Angeles than anywhere yeah. in the United States, even New York. Oh, is it? Yeah, 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 because it's really concentrated. And uh, then you see another group of Orthodox Jews watch, walking this way to temple, and you want to go, hey, guys, just switch temples. Or a fight breaks out. That's what I'm waiting <laughs> for. Um, so what has your experience in comedy taught you as an advertiser. I'm calling you an advertiser as you direct commercials, you know, you sell fried chicken. Um, what, what, so what have you taken sort of from that road, that in-your-face experience that, that propels you as, you know, a, a, larger, a more produced storyteller? Specificity, economy of words. That's my answer. The more specific you are on stage with a joke, the funnier it is, the more crisp the telling of the joke is. Mm-hmm. So specificity in comedy I've believed in for, for years, and I believe it in advertising. And you have 24 seconds. A 30-second commercial is 24 seconds because the announcer has to say something and there's got to be a logo at the end. Right. So in 24 seconds, you better be specific. And then the economy of words, you know, I am, I am blessed that I get great scripts from ad agencies. You know, people think that directors go out and make up the commercial. Mm-hmm. Directors are hired to execute a script that's been tested and run through the clients, 
uh, you know, marketing right. uh, tests and whatnot and focus groups. Let's say the, not the. What do you mean? Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I thought that was a rule for no, your no, show. No, no. Innovation <laughs> crush. We say the, not the. Yeah, it's exactly. And, and that's the kind of stupid shit that people say. Say the, not the. Mm-hmm. I was an actor based on my comedian uh, right. comedy experience. I was hired to act and stuff. I was not very good. But I did a dozen or two commercials. And I remember the director going, hey, the client has a problem with the way you're saying fast food. You know, it's more like fast food. <laughs> right. And I just stared at him, and he kind of winked like, I don't know what that means. I just have to tell you. And then we did it seven more times. I want to know what this fried chicken holdings company is. I'm, uh, oh, I think it's... Uh, completely derailed it's, mentally. No, <laughs> really? <laughs> that was mind-blowing, wasn't it? Um, I mean, the, you know this. Many competitive brands yeah, on the no, shelf okay. are owned by the same mother load, right? right? They get your money no matter what. And it's so funny how people attach themselves to brands. Yeah. And they get brand loyal when really it's the same. Like, I always think that shampoo is one big truck full of shampoo that goes around to different <laughs> bottling companies and dumps the shit in the bottles. That should be your next yeah. commercial. You start making the commercials you would want to make. Like, <laughs> um, no, that, that's great. Just kind of like that that idea of specificity. I mean, it's the same thing as the art of the pitch, right? When, you know, yes. me as a, when I go into a room and talk to a client or any of the guests we've had on the show, I think we're all in the business of translating, right? You're translating a concept into, for in your case, into visuals, um, or you're translating a brand's principles into, a, you know, an activation of some sort. Um, and the more specific you can, it's a, it's a really, like I wrote it down, I'm thinking of it as maybe the title of the episode. But, um, but no, that idea of like just being super specific as a storyteller, because a lot of times we go like, oh, it's this thing and we'll figure it out. And clients have questions. Right, and oh, <laughs> great question. You know, um, why can't we afford a real unicorn? <laughs> yes, they're extinct. Exactly. They're working on the Barbie movie. <laughs> um, what like what made you want to document the experience? Right, like I, I, I mean, we talked about it earlier. Where yes, you've got the experience of the the comedian, and you wanted to, you wanted to tell that story. A lot of times we all get, especially you're a filmmaker, right? Like, there's a dozen stories you probably could have told. Um, why? Why did you take this one and and bet on it? Well, it goes back to specificity and YouTube. So when I started directing uh, TV commercials, I'd made some horrible movies, and I'd done enough stand up on television that when YouTube hit, the ad agencies that hired me and the clients that sit with them, you know, they sit in a video village, we call it. Right. And they have their laptops and they're working on, you know, these people are working hard on other products and other scripts, but they have the internet now. This is like 2005, 2006, when, whenever YouTube launched. Well, then a clip of my standup from the 80s, suit with the shoulder pads i got it the oak king or oak tree and the, <laughs> the, i don't know how old you are but uh, no i know okay. oak tree i mean oh. yeah. <clears throat> yeah uh or chess king i think it was there was chess king there was another one with a j owned by the same people <laughs> no <I wish. laughs> yeah, exactly it was one guy who made all the suits in the 80s but he branded them differently <laughs> uh long long blonde hair very svelte i was about the size of my beautiful son jake here um i'm gonna find that picture online and it'll be the oh, it's image there. for this episode <laughs> It's there. Check the A-list on Comedy Central. Oh, nice. Yeah. 
So I did the A-list in the, in the 90s, yep. and I had some bits that people had recognized, and people would be like, you did that bit? I remember watching you when I was a kid. You know, you did that stand-up routine. I, and I did maybe 50 VH1 Spotlight, even at the improv six times. Uh, I mean, I was never famous as a comedian, but I had a like a That's junior, a pretty good. I had a That's... junior varsity level of of acknowledgement. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, you were on the bench on the on yeah. the pro <clears throat> team. I was... Went up for a cup of coffee. <laughs> uh, so they start the people that are that are in the video village while I'm out directing on set. I'd come back and I'd be like, "Hey, that was a great take. That was really funny." And they're like, "Yeah, but look, we found you on YouTube." <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah, that was." hundred pounds ago and a couple decades ago. Let's focus on the work. No, no, really. What was that like? Yeah. Did you travel around? So th- after telling the stories of well, you go to a comedy condo and and there was a guy that used to jerk off in the mayonnaise. So you never ate the mayonnaise at the comedy condo. You've heard that, right? This is no, this is the first time there I've was a guy masturbating in mayonnaise. God rest his I soul. I use mayonnaise to masturbate, but I don't <laughs> well yay. masturbate into the mayonnaise. A little different. <laughs> little little different. Uh there was a guy, God rest his soul, John Fox. He he died in the last couple of years. He was a, a road warrior. Heavyset guy was he? Heavyset guy, yeah, yeah, kind of surfery. Yep. He used. It was rumored. In fact, before he died, he said, "You know, tell him that's not true. That he would, you know, you go to a comedy condo, which was a cheap apartment that the comedy club would rent, and uh, the comedians would stay there week after week because it was cheaper than putting them in storage, right, or a hotel. So you never use the condiments that were left over from the week before." Because it was rumored that John Fox would self-pleasure himself into the mayonnaise <laughs> as a long-term joke for the knowing that when he was in Mobile, Alabama, the guy in Indiana was eating his yes, uh, mayonnaise. Yeah, mayonnaise. Mayonnaise. Funny. <laughs> so uh, I, I would tell those kinds of stories. Right. And then after, it was in 2009, I said... I'd been doing commercials for years, and I hadn't done a feature film since the early 2000s. And I was like, I got to tell a, a long-form story right? other than the 24-second spot. So I, I pitched it a couple of places, and, you know, I was so sick of the Hollywood thing at this right. point, and I just said, I'm just going to make it. That's and awesome. and it, it comes back to chicken. Because at the time, I was doing... A dozen or so shoot dates, well, like a couple spots mm-hmm. a day sometimes for Kentucky Fried Chicken. Totally, you're just you're just I'm, all I'm, over the community, aren't you? First of all, I love, I love I love chicken, and the chicken that you eat on set for a commercial, like it's not the chicken from they don't run down to Kentucky Fried Chicken or churches or Popeyes and get the chicken and put it in front of the camera. Right? They have a truck pull up with a chef who specializes in. I mean, it's all new grease. <laughs> it, it's the choice, plumpest breast you could ever imagine. It's fried to perfection. It's built up on the, you know, the sand, like the that stacker. Is, and that's why it always looks different on the commercial than it does when you order. Yeah, oh, because there's a food stylist yeah. who preps it a certain way and makes it look a certain way. And like I've had, I remember Long John Silver's, they told me, because, you know, I'm a big guy, they go, Oh, you're going to love this fish taco. The best fish taco in the world. You'll never buy it anywhere. It doesn't exist. It's mythical. Right. Uh, Did they say that into your ear with no eye contact? (laughs) You're going to love this fish taco. (laughs) I'm like, huh? What? What? (laughs) 
So I was doing a string of commercials for Kentucky Fried Chicken. And we would shoot every six weeks or so. And my film crew uh, would, would, we would typically shoot on a Thursday or Friday. Right. So I would say to them, hey, guys, who, who's, been, who's been feeding you for the last, several, you know, this year? Right. Because we did them for a year. We just kept doing all these commercials. And it was so they, they all survived the year. They all, everybody survived the year. Okay, good. And uh, I said, so here, I need a favor. I need us to go to the improv and shoot tomorrow. You know, we won't even use the same, all the same gear, but keep a couple of lights. Uh, my sound man, Maurice, if you're listening, I love you. I've worked with this guy for a decade. And he, he'd be like, hey, are we doing the, are we doing the comedian thing tomorrow? Because we're shooting today. And I was like, yeah. So every time we'd have a shoot, the crew knew, I think tomorrow he's going to ask us to do a free shoot. Nice. So we went to the comedy store and the Laugh Factory and the, all the comedians were great and the club owners were great and we'd go to people's houses if we had to and and it just snowballed into interview after interview and I spent a year That's great. putting together these interviews. With I Am Road Comic, uh, I knew that one, I didn't want to exploit the crew. Times are a little, little tougher. Yep. Budgets are smaller. And I went, I hired a crew once up in Washington where the where the guy got yeah. thrown out. But for the most part, that I just... was all around bad. You spent money? And yeah. So, <laughs> so I went out and, and, and documented it myself. Right. Um, before you tell me about uh, Respect the Process... Oh, yeah. Um, one thing that I've heard a few times about you, Bound Chicka Wow Wow. <laughs> just tell the audience, so, so that I don't botch this, but you are the, the godfather of that... Uh, that uh, I don't, what do you call it? It's not even a phrase. It's a lick. It's a, a verbal lick. lick. It's a verbal lick. It's a euphemism, I guess. It's uh, so that a list spot, right? Okay. the The main bit that I would do, like, you know, Jim Gaffigan does the hot pockets, hot pockets, hot pockets and he can't go down an airport uh, gangway without someone going hot pockets. <laughs> I used to do a bit about early seventies jazz pornographic music, the score they would use in porn movies. And, it, you know, bounce, chicka, wow, wow. <laughs> and I did it for years. And I did it on various different cable shows, and it became kind of my thing. That was my junior varsity acknowledgement right. in the world of show business. And so I let it go for years, and then it becomes a thing. And it was in a commercial. Like, Axe used it in a commercial. And they would do it on sitcoms. Someone would say a remark or give a girl a, a wink, and the person that was watching would go, bounce, chick, wow, wow. And my son Jake, his mother actually pointed out, he goes, you know, your dad started that. And if you can be cool to your kids, that's right. enough for me. Right. So that's the clip that the ad agency people saw on, on YouTube. Yeah. That's the clip that I was known for, and I, then I you know, I transitioned into other things. So in terms of fair use, which we were talking about earlier, yeah. did, like how does that feel when, you know, something that you do catches on and is used in other media? Is it flattering or is it like, well, shit, I should have found a way to copyright that. Or People ask know? that all the time, Chris. Did you copyright it? Oh, First no, you all, didn't copyright it. I but didn't I'm copyright saying, it. But, what, but, you know, what was it's that It's flattering. Like? It's flattering, yeah. yeah. You know, do I... Part of me says, boy, if I would have stayed in the stand-up game, I would have had a hook to last me a year or two to go around, but you got to come up with new shit. Yeah, exactly. You, you don't want to be, 
You don't want to be like 63 going, bound chicka, wow, wow. That's kind of <laughs> gross, right? The old guy doing that. Right. I'm, I'm all fat with, you know, food hanging up. My bound chicka, wow, wow. It's like Ron Jeremy. Um, <laughs> so, uh, as a parent. Yes. Um, what do you want Jake to learn from you? <sighs> make his own stuff. To make your own stuff and... You know, Jake is a writer. Uh, my other son Ben is a uh, performs original hip hop music. Jake was writing just the other day on his summer break, and I was so proud because. And you've heard me say this, Jake. If you if you can create a little intellectual property and put it out there, it will it will pay for itself. Right. It will work for you. So. You may still have to have a job. You may, you know, make cappuccinos, but at night you're writing, you're recording, mm-hmm. and you put it out there. It's like the craziest thing, Chris, okay? The craziest As, thing. The craziest <laughs> thing is that, let me just look real quick and see if it's happened. Okay. Since we've been on the podcast, I made I made $5. Nice. <laughs> Somebody bought the movie. Now, I know this isn't live, but that would be crazy if they were listening and bought it. Same difference. But... I get an email on my phone saying someone bought the movie. Wow. And it gives me their email. I don't bug people. And Louis C.K. started this yeah. with the $5 oh, download. In fact, I wish he would have made it 7 because it really set the bar a little low. I mean, <laughs> he's got money. <laughs> five, sound, five seems so easy. It's so it's like easy. It's a, you know, it's a round number. We all know it from Subway. Yeah, but $5 for one comedian performing one night for 45, 50 minutes economically, it's easier to produce, it's easier to sell. Right. I am Road Comic at IamRoadComic.com for $5. You get 24 comedians, and I had to take a year to go around to their house, stick a microphone down their pants. The editing is intense because they're quick clips and montages. So I feel like my film is worth a $10 download. And I was thinking, ah, seven. The marketing people... From the web, there's two websites I use. If this is interesting, keep going. Gumroad.com. Yes, you put up. I know your, those guys right very well. Oh, they're so cool. Yep. There was a there was a guy on Skype with me when I was setting up my website because I'm not an educated man and I'd never done this before. On a Sunday, you you, you seem educated. I fake it. Okay. <laughs> I fake it. He. He was on Skype with me, helping me program my website and put the buy button on there. And you upload your product to Gumroad, you set the price, and they handle everything else. They make it so easy for people to buy. Right. And you can embed the buy button on your site. There's there's competitors. Sure. Uh, the fans through Twitter, I found out, wanted a fa- uh, wanted a uh, PayPal button, and Gumroad wasn't taking PayPal, so VHX. TV is another service very similar right. to Gumroad. And so I put it on there as well. But I really push the Gumroad. I like the Gumroad. <laughs> You're a good guy. Yeah. Really girls, great. Really great guys. Sexist. And you no, know, yeah. Well, when you say guys, you mean men, women. It's people. The They're good people. They're good people. So uh so I have learned so much about uh the analytics of who buys the movie, what they I don't know what podcast unless they tell me. Right. But I know people come from Facebook and people come from Twitter and they convert over to a certain amount of sales. Right. And Reddit had a huge number of people that checked out the site Sweet. and only 6% bought 
bought it okay. because Reddit are nerds that want it for free. Yeah, from Pirate Bay. Oh, they probably they probably have it. <laughs> they probably have it. Right. <laughs> so so uh, for me, I hope that both my kids learn about intellectual property, and that intellectual property is is hand in hand with self expression. Right. Whether you make an app, my stepdaughter Gigi has a YouTube channel. She's thirteen. She already monetized the channel. She does makeup tips. She's insane. She edits, shoots it all. She's genius. If somehow that could turn into just a little spending money on a Friday night, yeah. it's your mind expressing itself and your personality expressing itself while capitalizing on that creativity. And I think I think it's interesting, even in that regard, is is the idea that you can do it now. Right, like, like never before. <laughs> exactly, like you can do it now more. There was a guy who's on the show, Oliver Bogner. I forget which episode number it was. Oliver was Forbes thirty under thirty wow. when he was on the show. Uh, it was just before his twenty first birthday. He was twenty. Um, owns like a huge production company. Will have forty hours of television on the air this year. Um, and he was saying, like, when he was sixteen, he because he was always entrepreneurial. He convinced his parents to let him drop out of high school and complete high school online. And I was like, I wish I could have had that conversation <laughs> with, you know, with my parents, like, you know, to to be able to leave. But also, like, it's not like night school. It's like, you know, whenever you can school and I will get it done. In some ways, that takes a lot more self-discipline. Yeah, it's, it's true. I mean, that's that's the that's probably the one main ingredient for if you're going to follow your bliss or if you're going to if you're going to make a living or at least supplement your living with intellectual property with things that you create you have to have self-discipline yeah and i don't know how to teach that you know it took me into you my 40s yelling. <laughs> well get back in there and finish your script <laughs> <laughs> sorry jake i didn't mean, did that feel too real what was that okay you're okay um. <laughs> so, um, tell me about your podcast because uh, it it sounds really interesting. I I love that you know you present the whole diaspora, which is a word I've never used. Yeah. Um. Uh, around creating commercials, is that correct? It's it's a niche podcast about commercial filmmaking, and maybe you you know you can help me. Uh, I'm wondering if I'm running out of things to talk about yet every director there's common themes what it is it's a podcast about how we go about making commercials so i talked to a lot of directors who are my peers and it was born out of a need to talk to other people mm -hmm. that do what i do there's no director's bowling team you know there's no club you know there's the dga where right. once a year you can schmooze and and listen to the status of our guild right but there's no club where we all hang out on set there's no apprenticeship if you're if you're in the art department or you know you make props or yep. you're in the wardrobe department, you can actually work your way up. You can you can have a a, a mentor. Yep. You know, there's an apprenticeship. As a director, you just have to direct. <laughs> yeah. There's no yeah. hey, come let me take you under my wing. So I wanted to talk to other people and see if their experiences were similar to mine. Yep. I think we're entering a new age of transparency. You know, Obama talks about transparency. Mm -hmm. uh, businesses talk about they want to be transparent with their employees and the public. Right. Well, I think just in general that sharing of knowledge versus the old way of guarding your knowledge 
photographers, I heard. Somebody, a photographer said, yeah, other photographers don't share their tricks and tips. Yeah. And now with blogs and podcasts, you can share the knowledge. And I got to hope that karmically something comes back. Well, there's, there's uh, I mean, it's the abundance mentality, right? Or, or mentality um, about there is enough to go around. You know, absolutely. And I think most people who hoard ideas or things or whatever it is, the the thinking is that this is mine. I've you know I've built this, and if I give a little bit of it away, I'll have nothing, right? It's and so now, but we are in this space where I mean, you you can Google anything. I I, I was gifted some Beats headphones, and nice. I couldn't figure out how to turn them on. <laughs> and so I, I googled it, and uh, the the they're really that complicated. They're not that complicated. I just I, I don't know if I got a botched pair or if I'm just dumb, um, or both, uh, which was a horrible combination. Uh, but we I, I googled it, and the, for some reason the Beats website was like, oh, you know, out to lunch or whatever. <laughs> and so I found like five YouTube videos of people just like, hey, here's how I turned on my Beats headphones. So I mean, the fact that you know, you used to have to go to a specific source for technical you know, difficulties or whatever. And now you can just you can go anywhere. And I think, like you mentioned, the photography tips. If if you don't give, you know what I mean, then you you can't receive. Like because you're still holding your hands closed, right? If I don't give this to you, yeah, like, I can't I can't receive anything. My stepdaughter's uh, YouTube channel. Shout it out! Oh, it's Gigi Feingold. Gigi Feingold. So what? I don't Feingold. F e i f e i n g o l n d or G o l d Feingold. Gigi's channel. Uh, it's so funny because she'll do like a freeze frame and a title and a little colorization. She's got music on her. And I go, "How'd you do that?" She goes, "Oh, I googled it." Yeah, you know, she'll Google a Photoshop tip at thirteen. So you're you're right, and you know when you. So the podcast respect the process. Mm-hmm. It's on iTunes and Stitcher and whatnot. I post a video or a commercial from a director, and then we talk about it and kind of deconstruct it and deconstruct the process of how you get a storyboard from an ad agency. And everyone says you basically, if you don't have a good script, it comes down to what Shakespeare said. If it ain't on the page, it ain't on the stage. Right. I don't know if he, yeah, I, I, don't I may be paraphrasing. That one <laughs> <laughs> you were shaking your head like, yeah, that wasn't Shakespeare that said that. But, it, you know, we, we talk about that. Then we have guys from the crew. Like I had a gaffer explain what gaffing does or a grip. What is a key grip? Right. And, and it was an interesting story that his father was a grip. So I'm, I'm, it's a learn while I'm earned. I mean, I don't make any money. It's, a, it's an on-the-job training thing where I'm learning to try to get the personal story. Yeah. And that's what makes it different. Yep. Uh I have a comedian coming up. I have two great directors on. They're a duo this week, and I've only had one other duo. They were husband and wife. Nice. You know? The yeah, Sklar yeah. brothers directed a music video, and I had them on talking about what was it like going from identical twin comedian comedians to directing a, mu- a rock music video. Wait, who am I listening to? That's, yeah. That's probably. <clears throat> I've, I've, I've always not enjoyed twin comedy. I respect the Sklar brothers, but I'm like... The Mooney twin, like there was all, like like in the, like the late eighties, early nineties, like all these lot of twins. twins just popped up. And like, what is this? <laughs> what's what's happening in the gene pool? They don't they don't do any twin jokes. They anymore. don't do. But yeah, they've they've transcended that because that material runs. You know, if you Milton Berle did say this, 
If you walk on stage with a funny hat, you're going to get a laugh, but you better have something more funny right. after it to follow up. Or was that Shakespeare? I think, <laughs> well played. Well played. Chris. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so the show is called Innovation Crush. Um, what out there do you see in the world that you look at and you go, oh my gosh, that is amazing. Uh, you know, either you wish you were a part of it. It's, it could be a trend. It could be a festival or, you know, just something, a piece of technology. What out there is that you, you see you go, man, that's awesome. I like Uber. I think Uber is, I mean, that's, and, and what's the other one? Lyft. Lyft. Use Lyft, Jake. I can't, uh, I just can't do the pink mustache. I like, I, I, I've I like never Uber. done the pink, pink mustache. <laughs> I Sounds love, like a, a sex move. <laughs> pink mustache? <laughs> he, he gave me the pink mustache. It's crazy. Uh, I, I love Uber because, again, the transparency. Right. I know your name. You know my phone number. The technology, the technology is awesome that your phone tells you where they are and they're on the way. Yep. And I love that the tip is already included. Like you get out of the car and it's paid for. And, I, and the other piece of that, because when you start talking about we know who each other are, is that you're being rated as a customer. Right. <laughs> you know, as much as you like, ah, oh, that driver was horrible. Like, you can call a taxi company and like complain. Like, no, you, you were an asshole. Like, was, right. But, and, and, and so like there's that transparency, the two ways like people will, uh, will second, you know, take a second guess about being irate or rude or, you know, difficult. Gumroad, I'm really proud of it. We mentioned earlier, yes, because Gumroad allows you know it's not just movies. They have uh, you can put your music CD up. I say CD as a uh, yes. placeholder for your digital yes. file. <laughs> uh, books, pamphlet, instruction, tutorials. People sell for like two dollars. Oh wow! So you know you you said it. There's there's an abundance, and cream has to rise to the crop just because you have the tools. To put shit out there doesn't mean it's going to be good. Yeah. And and the other thing I've always told my boys until they're sick of hearing me say it, the tools do not equal the talent. That's true. I have a guitar. I suck. Yes. You come over, pick it up. (laughs) Uh, You know, so you can make a movie. And you can have iMovie or Final Cut or whatever you're going to use. doesn't mean it's going to be good. Well, that's where the, the 10,000 hours come from, right? There, <clears throat> there was another guy who was on the show, this guy named uh, Nick Cooper, who is the vocal coach for American Idol. And we got oh, into wow. this, um, this conversation around, I was like, how do you feel about the YouTube generation of music? And he's like, he's like I'm fearful that we gotten, we've gotten to a place where we're starting to celebrate mediocrity. Right, well, you've got people who are doing covers of "Over the Rainbow," and it's it's okay. Yeah, but because you're like, oh wow, like there's something about it that you suddenly it's got uh, you know a million views, and it's really not that great, right? Where you know it's no Mariah Carey if she were to do <laughs> "Over the Rainbow," um, and it's the same thing. Like the tools don't necessarily equal talent, or the ten thousand hours it takes to become an expert at something. Oh, absolutely. You know, to wow, get there, write your script. Well, (laughs) you know, it's funny. Last week's episode of my podcast, Respect the Process, was with one of the global uh, chief creative officers at McCann Erickson, Mm -hmm. uh, this guy, Bill Wright. And he, the title of the episode is Good Enough Sucks. Right. If it's good enough, it sucks. It's got to be great. And people, 10, 15 years ago, people were like, oh, the 30-second commercial is going to die. It's all going to be really quick. It's all going to be online. No, it's not. Yeah. The Super Bowl, we celebrate commercials. They just have to be better. 
In fact, the more bullshit that people throw at the wall, the stickier it's got to be to stick. And last night, so my son Jake, is he's writing this uh, this story, this adventure, action thing. And he goes, maybe I'll, can I, you don't mind if I say this? Okay, so he goes, when I'm done, I might put it on Facebook. And I was like, no, 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 no. Show it to a friend. Show it to me. Don't even show it to me, but show it to a teacher. Show it to someone who can criticize it first. Right. Because I think another problem is people make it, and they celebrate that they made it. Yeah. And they put it on the, the web. Ooh. My son, he would, he, when he first started recording, and he spits mad flow. He's mm-hmm. really good. And it's original. I'll bring, him, bring him in here so I can battle him. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's on. And he, he, can, he can freestyle. He writes. It's, it's, it's kind of a consciousness rap that yeah, I yeah. weaned him on. But I'm like, you know, very few get it in one take. Right. So don't put it up there. So, like, I made it. I'm going to post it. Tell all my friends. Why don't you let it? Give it 48 hours. Give, that's a great rule. The 48-hour <laughs> rule. You know, yeah. you don't make wine and chug it. You let it ferment. Right. Well, it's it's, fun, it's funny because it's almost it's the res, reverse of the you know the immediacy of digital communication and social media. Like I'm at, I'm this is what I'm eating right now, and it, it, and if I took a picture of my food right, and it's the next day, I, you'll never see that you'll never see that meal ever, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. But if but because I, because I'm eating it now, like I, you have to know now. Um, but if I create something, now isn't always the best, you know, best solution. Like a lot of times, I'll I'll write something or write up a concept or think of something, and it'll take it'll take me a week before I go back to it. if I have that amount of time, right, or whatever the amount of time is to go back to it and go, oh, or if I did put it out there, I'll reread it and go, ah, oh, should have I should have said it this way or yeah. I wanted to use that word, and it's just kind of like put it out like. Create it, let it sit, and then come back to it. Yeah. Right. I'm also crushing. I know we probably got to go. No, well, well, got to. Uh, you crushing, guys do. No. I'm, <laughs> I'm crushing on uh, Adobe Creative Cloud. Mm. Do you know about that? They just launched it, right? Like, it's, it was a 2014 version. I've been using it for okay. a, about a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, for the geeks out there, you know, I use Final Cut. In the 90s, I started with this clunky editing program called Premiere. Mm-hmm. And now it's now it's just so robust and you click on something and it launches photoshop and then it's already back in your timeline and they have audition wow. they have there's a couple of dozen i don't get paid for this i'm just you know i just crushing on it <laughs> but so like i edit my podcast in audition and if i want to bring in a video which i haven't yet but you can bring in a video to your pro tools like right. audition and just that they've seamlessly integrated all these programs into one yeah. or into one cloud-based thing. So, I mean, I haven't used, I haven't traveled with a computer in a long time because of Dropbox, the cloud, Adobe, yeah. the phone. So, you know, I used to That's lug awesome. around a Mac. <laughs> <laughs> I have a laptop in my backpack right now. I'm, I'm, I guess I'm old school. Um, and last but not least, yes, complete this phrase for me. Oh, boy. <clears throat> you ready for this one, Jake? Yeah. I mean, you don't have to complete the phrase, but... You can complete it in your mind. I can't swallow. You ever have one of those moments where you're like, you clear your throat and you're like, ah, there we go. Um, I almost died. You almost witnessed, witnessed that would have death. been it would have been great ratings. <laughs> exactly. Three more listens. Um, innovation to me is innovation to me is a necessity for society to move forward.
I like it. I like it. Without innovation, we're still 65 years old on stage going bounce chicken. Wow. We got to, <laughs> we got to keep moving. And, you know, it, it, I tell filmmakers before they go, Hey man, my film got into Sundance. My film got into the Topanga film festival, whatever it is. I'm like, congratulations. That means someone digs your work. Be prepared for this question. What's next? What you working on? Yeah. Because as a society, we consume and then we want more. And I feel fortunate uh, that with the success of I Am Comic, I was able to extend this brand yep. with I Am Road Comic, which another point you brought up, specificity. I've realized that I Am Comic was such a wide net about being a stand-up comedian, even right. though being a stand-up comedian is a specific thing. There's so many different types from you know Carrot Top to... Uh, Janine Garofalo to Nick Kroll to, mm -hmm. you know, whoever. And with I Am Road Comics, it's, it's a much more specific thing. Yep. But it's over. It's out there now. Yeah. And it's I'm going to get it on. People are going to see it. I'm going to keep pushing it like one of my babies. But what's next? What's what is next? next? Maybe I Am Mimic because <laughs> I love impressions. Okay. Right? I think yeah. that's a weird world. I Am Boat, I, I, I am boat I Comic. <laughs> Where you go on cruise ships? Yes. Uh, but I am not funny for like you go to amateur nights. And it's just, <laughs> and it's, you, no one would watch it. You find all the people that bombed. No one I would, would watch it. I, that would be, that's like destruction porn. Like I would love yeah. to watch people bomb and like talk to them about their experience and see if it was heart wrenching or if it's, if I, they keep going. I don't think it'll sell. Because the people who pitch me, I am You open just mic. lost $5 uh, a, a download. And the, the, the last one would be. If I th if the brand of I am comic I am road comic yeah was strong enough now it makes sense to do I am blank comic right but if the if the I am brand and the Jordan Brady brand air quotes was strong enough I would go away from comedy and do I am podiatrist love it find the the rock star of feet doctors you just got to get your foot in the door and, whoa uh, that's uh, that's the tagline <laughs> just, gotta get just gotta get your foot in the door thank you um i want to thank you for for joining us thanks for having me really this is awesome it. how can people find you where do where do we go on the on the interwebs uh i am comic movie is the twitter i am comic movie some inappropriate for children Tweets. Okay. Uh, JordanBrady.com is where I host the podcast, and there's links to all my other stuff. Sweet. And uh, IamRoadComic.com for a limited time only, like the McRib, $5 download. You can own it. We only made 12 digi bushels. So once they're gone, they're gone forever. We nice. can't make any more digi bushels. Digi bushels. That, that's an industry term. I, I made it up. <laughs> uh, I love the reference to all fast food. Um, everyone, thank you for listening uh, to me blab with Jordan Brady. This has been awesome. Uh, and we will talk to you next time. If you like listening to comedy, try watching it on the internet. The folks behind the Sideshow Network have launched a new YouTube channel called Wait For It. It's got interviews with comedians like Reggie Watts, Todd Glass, Liza Schleichinger, Schleichinger, I've been friends with her for 10 years, one of the funniest people out there, and I still have a hard time with the last name, Liza. Our very own Owen Benjamin, that's me, takes you on a musical journey down internet rabbit holes and much more. 
You don't have to wait any longer. Just go to youtube.com slash waitforitcomedy. There's no need to wait for it anymore because it's here and it's funny and I love you. A few days ago, Brooke Tudine posted an inspirational quote on her wall that got 17 likes and three comments. Thumbs up, Brooke. Geico also wants to make a comment. In just 15 minutes, you could save hundreds of dollars on your car insurance by switching to Geico. And nothing says inspiration better than saving money. Well, except for those posters that say things like teamwork, excellence, and make it happen. Hashtag keep climbing. Hashtag savings. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance.